thank you. I like. I like. I like that line that Brian said. He said the great, the greatest product of your ministry is crazy. <laughs> he ain't crazy. He's my brother. And he, he's always been a Jesus follower. And it's a privilege to be here with him and uh, just to hang out with all you crazy Jesus people. Okay, grab your seats, everybody, just for a moment. Uh, Jesse said something very important. You just got to hang around long enough. Um, I've hung around with my wife for 49 years now. And, uh, and now it's working pretty well now. <laughs> you just got to hang around long enough. Oh, goodness me. You know, as, as preachers and pastors, the biggest part of our life, the biggest driving force must be to help you get close to Jesus. Help you to know him. Help you to love him. Help you to worship him. Help you to understand the absolute enormity of who he is and what it means to have your life firmly built upon him. It's a beautiful thing. There's an old hymn. We did sing it, just a, sung the chorus a moment or two ago. On Christ the solid rock I stand. It's written by a man called Edward Mote, and he was a London street kid. His parents run a pub and he wandered the streets. When he was 15 years of age, he heard a preacher preaching about Jesus. And he got saved. When he, was, he became a businessman, but when he turned 50, he um, heard the call to be a pastor. And a Baptist church in England called him to be their pastor. 50 years of age he started. For 26 years he pastored that church until he was 76. And in 1874, 149 years ago, he died. You know, we've talked a lot about legacy. I've heard the word legacy and longevity used. I wonder, I just wonder. Did he ever think that the hymn that he wrote 149 years ago would be sung at Iowa at Eternity Church 149 years later? Ain't that cool to think about? What we do today, we've got no idea where that's going. So much did this Baptist church appreciate their pastor that they came to him and they said, we want to give you the deeds of the church. We want to give you the property. That's crazy. And his response was this. I do not want the chapel. I only want the pulpit. And when I, and when I cease to preach Christ, turn me out of that. That's the heart of a follower of Jesus in the pulpit, isn't it? Can we just stand together and sing that chorus a couple more times? I just want to set the firm foundation for our time together.
Don't you feel better just because you sang it again? Yeah, come on, grab your seats. Grab your seats. All right, some thank yous. Pastor Jesse and Lauren, thank you so much for inviting us to be with you at Eternity Church. Our privilege, our honor. Uh, I just said to Jesse when we were standing down there, can you, ever, can you actually believe that we're standing here together doing this? It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's, it's just that's, that, that is God at work in life, in ministry, and in longevity. Pastor Rob and Mindy, uh, thank you so much for looking after us. Sean, and, uh, where is he? Oh, he's still outside. I think he's coming in later. Sean and Molly, thank you again for taking us out to Olwine and Audubon. And um, Sean and Rob are both incredible tour guys. I have probably seen more of Iowa in the last couple of weeks than you, you all have seen of it for a long time. We've been places, I, I, I can't even tell, if I tell you some of the places we've been, you might kick me out. Not, not bad places, just interesting places. I mean, come on, you just sang a song that was acknowledging Mary, that's pretty good. Yeah, that was cool. We've been to the Grotto of the Redemption. What an incredible, what an incredible life work of art. Uh, what's the name of that town again? West Bend. 800 people with an international tourist destination because of Jesus. Oh, man, that was a fun trip. Amanda, where are you? Amanda, thank, out the back, Amanda. Thank you so much. For, and worship team, your whole worship team. Just how cool is that just standing there? I, I, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. And then that chorus of that hymn. Come on, you take me to heaven. <laughs> heaven here on earth. Jenna and Riley, again, for your organization, your planning, your hospitality, thank you. And Jason and Ashley, Brad, thank you again for the trip. To your campus pastors, DJ and Joy and Hayden and Julia, for having us out midweek at your campuses. Michaela, Pastor Connor, where are you? Pastor Connor and Ian, thank you so much. Clara, thank you to those guys up there who fixed my PowerPoints up this morning at very short notice. Thank you. Eternity Church, you are a very lovely bunch of people. Truly. I think you're a good Jesus bunch of people. And that's what's really important, isn't it? That's so cool. So cool. You make it easy to be with you and we thank you very, very much. <clears throat> for the honour, for the appreciation, the invitation, and just a special moment to share the Word of God with you. Would you pray my prayer with me as I preach the Word of God? Are you ready? Okay, here we go. God, speak to me about you and about me. Amen. And he will. All right, the Apostle Paul started a church in Corinth a couple of thousand years ago. He's a great church planter. And after a time, he left and continued on his, his missionary journey. And then he gets news that that church is having a few problems and uh, a few difficulties and a delegation delivers a letter to him. And they deliver this letter to Paul and they ask him advice and they ask counsel about a number of things. And as you read through that letter, and if you haven't, read 1 Corinthians sometime, as, as you read through that letter, you will realize why God, in his wisdom, has set it in place in our Bible, which is the inspired word of God to his people. 
I, I get overwhelmed at times how smart God is. Yeah? He's very, very smart. And uh, this letter to the Corinthian church is just as applicable in its instruction and in its guidance and, its, and, and in its correction to today's church as it was 2,000 years ago. Isn't that astonishing that something written nearly 2,000 years ago to a local church can be talked, preached today, and it is just as applicable right now as it was back then? But that is the kingdom of God. God God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His word is the same yesterday and tomorrow, and his instruction, guidance, counsel, and correction is the same yesterday and tomorrow. So this, this bunch of people... They get corrected, rebuked, instructed, encouraged over a number of things. Now listen to what was going on here. They get, they get, they're a crazy bunch, but they're a new church. So we give them a bit of grace. Now we give them a lot of grace, Pastor Jesse. All right. Here's what was going on. They get corrected, rebuked, and instructed, and encouraged over divisions, incest, ministry, Discipline, lawsuits amongst believers, marriage, remarriage, their bad behavior around the fellowship meal when they gather together. The rich people are bringing food and wine and stuff. They're getting drunk as they gather together in church. The poor sit around starving watching the rich get drunk. And the writer corrects and instructs them about that situation. They don't understand spiritual gifts at all, so there's teaching there. The people don't appreciate how everyone in the church is special. And everyone in the church is valuable. And everyone in the church is integral to the life of the whole church. They don't get that. The public worship of the church is a bit of a shambles. It's a bit crazy. People speaking in tongues all over the place and other people interrupting each other and cutting in on prophecies. And they even mess up the resurrection of the dead. That's what's going on in this church. And the Apostle Paul sorts all of that out. And to summarize the setting... This young early church is simply trying to do life together as followers of Jesus, but they're messing a fair few things up. Now, that won't apply to any of you. I understand that. So, so it won't, will it? It Maybe just a little. Maybe just a little. So they're messing a fair few things up, and the Apostle Paul does some teaching and correcting and explaining, and then he writes something quite amazing. In amongst all of this stuff that I've talked about, We read these words. I want you to look at them on the screen. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 and 1 Corinthians 14, 1. We read this. The most excellent way is the way of love. So the title of my message, the title I want to share with you today, the most excellent way is love. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians Many identify and call it the great love chapter. It may well, have been one, it may well be one of the most amazing uh, and most read chapters in the whole of Scripture. It may well be that it was read out at your wedding. It's one of the most used wedding verses around or passages. <coughs> I reckon it was read out at our wedding 49 years ago. I found, because I found my wedding uh, service outline a few months ago, and I, I looked at it, and I'm pretty sure it was in there, and do you know what I did with that service, that wedding service outline? I put it in a safe place, so I would know where it was when I wanted to use it and reference it. So I looked for it before I came, 
I've forgotten where the safe place is. I don't know. Anyway, it's there. Anyway, right here we find this passage about love smack bang in its original setting in this letter to the Corinthian church. Smack bang in the middle of the church in Corinth being corrected for some rather poor behavior and being instructed on how they should treat one another and live together as followers of Jesus. Isn't that one of the greatest cries of your heart that you would be able to live together as followers of Jesus? That should be the cry of all of our hearts. Not how we can fight and yell and carry on and gossip and do all those nasty things. But how can we live together as followers of Jesus? How can we? So the writer of this passage that we're going to look through is saying this. Have your communion meal the right way, understand the gifts of the Spirit, realize you're a body of people supernaturally put together by God. This, this church is not accidental, you're not here accidentally. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 and 24 says God arranged you and God combined you. Or other versions say God put you together. That sense of supernatural arranging and combining is powerful. Recognize you're a body of people put together by God. You, you, you know, the writer is saying, gather together to worship, but you need to understand something that's critically important. There is a most excellent way to go about all of this life together. And that most excellent way is the way of love. The most excellent way to do life together in church is the most excellent way. Of love. Will you come through the passage? Will you come through the verses, through the chapter with me and look at it? And just let God speak into your heart. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 to 13, 3. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the flames, but do not have love, I gain nothing. There's some big stuff in there. Speak in tongues without love. Resounding gong, clanging cymbal, a gong that just goes on and on and on and on. Cymbals that clang and clash. Nasty, drive you crazy noise. Now that's scary. That's what it's like if love's missing. We need to get this stuff. Prophesying, supernatural wisdom, knowledge, mountain-moving faith, without love, and Paul says, I am nothing. I am nothing. What do you think nothing is? It's not too much of a mystery. It is nothing. <laughs> nothing. Give everything to the poor. Without love, I gain nothing. Give my This is shocking. Give my body to the flames and be burned at the stake and martyred without love I gain nothing come on think about these examples they are extreme to make a point 
without love, noisy, nasty, nothing. That's encouraging. Well, it should be confronting. Do you think the most excellent way called love is important? Oh, yes. We read on in 13.4 to 8a as it is described. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. The most excellent way never fails. Now, as you read through those four verses, you notice that love is and love isn't. Love does not and love does. Love always. And God is speaking to all of us through his word. There is a place here where we can go regularly to allow the Spirit of God to check our hearts and help us live like Jesus. We've got it in the Word. It's there for us. Living the most excellent way is called living a life of love. Let's read on in 13, 8 to 13. Love never fails. That is so true. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I'm not going to cover all that chapter, but a few thoughts, uh, that, that passage. When completeness comes, when prophecies cease, when tongues are stilled, when knowledge passes away, when everything finishes up, verse 13 says, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. Come on. Our faith is crucial to our eternal destiny, correct? Our hope will be fulfilled when we get there, but love is what we are going to live in forever when this world wraps up and we step into our eternal place. We're going to live in that eternally, and it's like the the Scriptures call us, and we'll see, we'll land back with Jesus in a minute, The scriptures call us to begin that love journey here on earth. It's a beautiful thing. Without the most excellent way of love working in our lives, the way we gather together suffers. Our relationships with one another suffer. Our doing church life together suffers. The gifts of the Spirit in and through us suffer in their operation and in their impact. The Christ-given gifts of apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists suffer. The many gifts and talents and abilities that we have all been created with by God suffer. Our public worship services 
suffer. Our lives individually suffer. Our lives together suffer. Our witness to our world suffers. You ask me how I know all these things because I have experienced life without love in every one of those areas. And I would suspect if you've hung around for a while as a follower of Jesus that you probably have too because that's just reality. But we are called to address that and become very, very different. Agapeo, the God kind of love. God's love for us. Now get this. There's several very profound points I want you to get with me. If you got them all right, all, all good, that's good. But if you haven't, get them. God's love for us is the same love this passage says we are to have for each other. God's love for us is the same love this passage says we are to have for each other. And the Apostle Paul wraps up this letter that I'm reading from in chapter 16 and verse 14. And he says, do everything in love. Everything. No exemption clauses. If you don't like my hair, the way I cut my hair, and I did my best, I did the two weeks out thing, I worked it all out, got my appointment the right way, so I had a decent haircut when I was here. You know, you think about these things. But if you don't like my hair, you still have to relate to me and love me. Yeah? <laughs> That's pretty easy, that one, wasn't it? If you don't like country music, and I am a country music tragic, and a huge part of my country music tragic is American country music, and a huge part of that is country American gospel music, particularly the old stuff. If you don't like, <laughs> if that bothers you, you still have to love me. Totally and unreservedly with no exemptions. If I tell you that I've been here for a couple of weeks and I don't like Iowa, by the way, we do, we love it. But if we said we didn't, you still have to love me. You do, you truly do. Even if you flinched when I said I'd been to the Grotto of the Redemption. Because it was built by a Catholic priest. You still have to love me. Even, even if I told you that if I was an American, I'd vote Democrat. You still have to love me. I know that one's, I, yeah. You still have to love me. Come on, there's no exemption causes. Do everything in love. Everything. Every part of our human relationships in love. All right, the big question. How do you live a life of godly love? All right. No matter whether you reckon you got this totally sewn up or whether you're a long way away from it, I want to give you a few thoughts that will, I, I believe will uh, inspire you and equip you and encourage you to walk this journey. Okay. Your Father in heaven has revealed his love to you. He revealed it through Jesus. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for, for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
This is the ultimate revealing of, of God our Father and his love for us as people. I, I was sitting on a chair many years ago reading this verse because I was just reading through Romans. And I was reading this particular verse and I stopped at the end of it and I had a very, very weird experience. It was, it was as if liquid gold, like gold flakes, were falling out of heaven and just falling all around me and settling over me and on the ground. And I, I sat in the presence of the unadulterated love of my father for me. It was so supernatural. Don't you hate it when they only last for a brief moment, those supernatural moments? So supernatural. That is this kind of love we're talking about. It's very supernatural. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. That's the good news gospel supernatural love story in a nutshell. God loved, God gave, you believe and you receive. He gave his son Jesus as a perfect sacrifice for our sins through his death on the cross. And this gets to us in various ways at various times and I think with very various intensities. Because I think you can go through your Christian life and you can have understanding and revelation of the love of God and then you get intensity revelations of it as time goes by. But it comes to you through people, through the word, as I just explained my experience back then. It comes through you through, through the spirit. It comes to you through worship. It comes to you through prayer. It comes to you as you're just out walking in the beauty of God's creation. It can be overwhelming as, as you begin to comprehend his love for you. Supernatural love for you. But there's a step beyond the love of God being revealed to you. Romans 5.5 5 says, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit <coughs> whom he has given us. Has poured out your father in heaven has done a finished love impartation work within your heart everyone say finished this is astounding i got a little quote up there the verb poured out is a present perfect tense in the indicative mood expressing an existing condition from a prior action this verse is astounding it's astonishing it's amazing and I want you to just take a moment to consider what you've just heard and what you're looking at. Romans 5, 5. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. Has poured out. <coughs> Within each of your hearts. This is a landing point. Within each of your hearts is already deposited, already poured out his love. It's an existing condition from a prior action. From the moment you were saved, his love has been poured into your heart. If you were here this morning and you were saved, you are, you are so supernaturally and radically touched that God has poured out his love for you into your heart. You now carry the supernatural love of God in your life. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? <coughs> But it's a done work. It's a supernatural impartation from a supernatural God so you can supernaturally love the people in your world. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus said. 
If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Let me encourage you. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to him in your Bibles. Stay close to him in prayer. Stay close to him in worship. You know, I, I, we can sing a lot of things, but a lot of what we sing needs to be Jesus. Yeah, I understand we sing prayer. I understand we sing prophetically. I understand we sing, yeah, yeah, but we need to sing a lot of Jesus, okay? Stay close to him in worship. Stay close to him in your relationships. That's why some relationships just need space away. Yeah? Stay close to him in your church community. Those relationships don't need space away. They need this message. As you stay close to Jesus, the true vine, his father, the gardener, will do his gracious work in your heart. He will help you deal with anything that is blocking his love from being huge in your life. Because your father in heaven knows the power of his love at work in you and through you to a lost and dying world. He knows. And never forget this. You haven't been left alone to struggle to get this love thing working in your life. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all 100% involved and committed to you taking this heaven-sourced love and seeing it at work through your life here on earth. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? You are supernaturally love-equipped. Isn't that wonderful? You're supernaturally love-equipped. Big point. Understand that you were created for this supernatural love to be your default living setting. You were created for this supernatural love of God to be your default living setting. You've been created in the image and the likeness of God. You've been redeemed from your sin by the undeserved and unreserved love of your Father in heaven. You have his supernatural love deposited within you. It's the same love that sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. You have it deposited in you. That's your God-given default life-living setting. That's where your Father in heaven wants you living. That's where he wants you returning to if you ever find you're not there. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8a. Make it one of your life verses. I hope you all have life verses. How do I know where I'm up to with time, Pastor Jesse? There's no clocks. Oh, okay. All right. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. <clears throat> I hope you all have life verses. You know those special things that God speaks to you on your journey as a Christian? You know, the ones that you highlight and underline and memorize. Make this one of your life verses. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8a. <coughs> love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. This is so supernatural. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. There is nothing that could be more opposite, polar opposite to the ways of this world than this. Know where it is in your Bible, underline it, highlight it, read it regularly, learn it off by heart, um, make it a regular part of your prayer with your father. Make it a regular part. Not long before his crucifixion, 
Jesus spoke these words to his disciples. In John 13, 34, he said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. 1 Peter 1.22. Love one another deeply. Everyone say deeply. Deeply from the heart. From our text this morning from 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, the most excellent way is the way of love. And from the final chapter of 1 Corinthians, do everything in love. You must love one another, Jesus said. Love one another deeply from the heart, said Peter. The most excellent way to do life is the way of love, said Paul. By this, by this, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Wow. You want to know how your life can be a huge witness to this world? You just heard. Love one another deeply from the heart. Can you please put 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 8a up again on the screen? A number of years ago, <coughs> I realized I wasn't seeing too well. Eyes. And um, I went to the optometrist and he examined my eyes and he said, you have cataracts growing over your eyes. I hate anything medical. He said, you'll have to have a cataract operation, have them taken out and replaced. And, uh, and I said, okay, book me in, I'll do it. And then he started to tell me what was involved. He said, and then, he said, and then they smash. And I, oh, they smash. I said, stop. I don't want to hear what they do with this cataract operation. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, may you never have a cataract operation. Anyway. Anyway, I booked in. I went. I said to the anaesthetist, I got that right, didn't I? It's a classic word. I said to the anaesthetist, knock me out so I don't know anything. He said, oh, we just give you this and you're, you're still awake and you're aware. You know everything that's going on, uh, but you won't feel it. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I, I, I'm lying on the thing and, and I saw he looked over at the nurse and I heard him say something. That he, he said to the nurse, I think we'll give him this as well. Thought, yes. So when I woke up, I was done, and that was really, really cool. That was one eye. When I went back the next time, it was a different anaesthetist, and I said to him, make sure you knock me out. I do not want to know what's going on. And he totally ignored me. Nasty anaesthetist. If you're an anaesthetist and you're here today, I have a word from God for you. Listen to the people who don't want to know. Anyway, I survived. The good thing about it is that with a little bit of fear and a little bit of pain, I came through and, and I can see again, which is really, really cool. Have you ever wondered how come you can experience the amazing, supernatural love of God 
for somebody or maybe for everyone working through your life you know it's there you know it's working and then in the same day in the same week in the same maybe even in the same minutes you can find yourself not loving somebody even at war with them even hating them even wanting them dead what is all of that isn't it shocking But I know the answer. It's filters. It's like them cataract things. Filters. Classic filters of hurt and pain and rejection and offense and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness, just to mention a few. I started to write some more down. Assumption, discouragement, disagreement, slander, gossip, lies, anger, doubt, being ignored, being misunderstood. I, I, I put my pen down. I thought I could write this list forever. It goes on and on and on, the filters that we can allow to cloud our hearts. But I do know this. I know who inspired the Word of God that you're looking at on the screen. The Holy Spirit. And I do know this. I know that He lives within every follower of Jesus. He lives within you. And I do know that He is your teacher and He is your counsellor. I do know that He can show you exactly what's locking up the flow of the supernatural love of God from out of your heart at any moment in time. He can do it any time you want. He can do it right now. And I would love to take a few moments with you right now to clear the filters. Any filters. Any filters. Any filters. Any filters that are locking up the supernatural love of God that has already been supernaturally deposited in your heart so that you can supernaturally love every other human being on the face of this earth. Let's just take a moment or two. Let me, let me pray for you. You see, these filters, they mess with you. You get these, any of these filters over your, over your heart, they mess with you. The filters of cataracts over my eyes actually put me in a place where I came close to being able to run a car off a road at night. That'd be crash and death. I couldn't see properly. And if you got these filters over, over your heart, they will cause relationship crash destruction, devastation. And sometimes people never recover from those things. Come on, these filters will mess with you. They'll mess with your church. Yeah, we could talk about a lot of things that can mess with a church. I'll tell you what, these filters will mess with a church because they'll mess with human relationships. And your whole life is here is to be lived out of the supernatural love of God in your heart for one another. Come on, let me pray for you. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there's any filter that you need to remove today. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you speak to your people. Thank you for the divine appointment of them being here today. And Lord, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would bring a revelation and an understanding. If there be any filter across anyone's heart that is restricting and locking up the flow of the love of God out of them to other people that you show them 
right now. And Lord, as they see that filter, Father, I ask right now in their hearts that they would repent of that, that they would repent of it, simply saying, I repent of allowing this filter to lodge across my heart. And God, I release forgiveness over their lives as they repent. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I pronounce those filters gone in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, for an open flow of his love through every heart in this room. And Lord, I pray for this church. May Eternity Church live forever in the most excellent way of love. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Pastor Jesse. Come on. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.